Hi, Rodney Jane here. Be safe these holidays with Bob Jane T-Mart's great getaway deals. Buy three, get the fourth tyre free on selected Bridgestone, Yokohama, Dunlop and J-Tracks. Up to $100 instant cash back on a range of Michelin, Continental, Goodyear, Bob Jane Zenon and Moto Sport X. Alloy wheels from only $125 and tyres from just $69, all with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Test and apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Coming up, exclusive Red Bull Sydney Harbour Bridge Formula One plan, F1 Festival, Bathurst, Adelaide and Melbourne. Schumacher's Mountain Mission and the story behind the frightening F1 three-seater. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Happy New Year, race fans. 2023 is already off to a big start with a surprising number of major announcements and reveals over the holiday break. The Liquamoli Bathurst 12 hour is just weeks away with entries from big-name teams and star drivers pouring in. The GT3 Pro class is back, and a field of at least 30 frontrunners is set to be confirmed for the Mount Panorama International Enduro, restored to its traditional season-opening first weekend in February slot. But first, exciting news for Formula One fans. February, March and April will be an F1 festival with old and new Grand Prix cars and stars performing at Bathurst, Adelaide and, of course, Melbourne, plus a very special appearance in Sydney. Parked Up Plus can reveal that Red Bull is looking to run its full-noise 2011 V8 RB7 F1 racer across the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That's the same car that'll do demonstration laps at the mountain in the lead-up to the Bathurst 12-hour almost certainly driven by Daniel Ricciardo. Now, what we've learned is that the Bathurst appearance is part of a bigger project. Used regularly for demos on city streets and famous tracks around the world, Red Bull is bringing the screaming XF1 racer to Australia to make a promotional video at iconic locations. As well as Bathurst, we hear the energy drink giant is negotiating with authorities in Sydney to send the car across the Harbour Bridge, one of the best-known landmarks in the world. Now, this is not a new idea. Williams did it with Mark Webber back in early 2005. The Harbour Bridge was closed very early on a Sunday morning and Webber blasted back and forth in his howling V10 Williams BMW. Famously, despite a speed limit of 80 kilometres per hour, once over the crest of the bridge heading north, he gunned it to well over 160 kilometres per hour and did the same on the return trips before idling back to 80 on the southern side as he approached the Kordonov base for the exercise. I was there and the sight and sound of a yowling F1 car on the Sydney Harbour Bridge was amazing. 18 years later, amid a much greater government anti-speed ethos, 
It'll be interesting to see if Red Bull's promotional muscle can convince New South Wales authorities to shut down the Sydney Harbour Bridge for a couple of hours or so to allow an F1 racer to make an early hours run. Anyway, that's the plan. Hopefully, it'll happen. The less exciting alternative is running the Red Bull racer across the bridge at low speed amid normal traffic, shepherded by a police convoy, something Supercars has done. As well as Ricardo, ex-Red Bull Formula One drivers Mark Webber and David Coulthard are in the frame for demos during the RB7's Aussie Tour. Along with Mount Panorama and possibly Central Sydney, Red Bull could run the car at the Australian Grand Prix in mid-April, most likely in some sort of speed comparison. Where it won't be seen is the Adelaide Motorsport Festival the week before. Our information is that the organisers haven't heard from Red Bull, nor had any discussions with Weber, Coulthard or Ricardo. However, the Adelaide Motorsport Festival is in talks with some former F1 stars to drive the many historic Grand Prix cars that will be appearing. The biggest name we're hearing is dual world champion Mika Hakkinen, who almost died in a practice crash at the 1995 Adelaide GP. Hakkinen recovered to win the 98 and 99 world titles with McLaren. The Adelaide Motorsport Festival will also celebrate the 60th anniversary of McLaren, tying in with a possible Hakkinen appearance. Among the many historic F1s to appear are a pair of 1989 Brabham BT58s, one of them originally raced by Martin Brundle. Nowadays, the voice of Formula One on TV. Unfortunately, even though at 63, he can still put a modern F1 car through its paces, he won't be available. He was approached, but we understand Brundle will be trekking in the Himalayas and also won't be at the AGP for the first time as either a driver or TV commentator since 1988. The Adelaide Motorsport Festival is the weekend before the Melbourne GP and as well as historic Formula One cars and drivers, it'll feature supercars, stars and cars and many other categories including IndyCar, NASCAR and Can-Am. V8 legend Craig Lowndes will be driving several cars and we also hear that a leading World Rally Championship driver will take part. There'll also be a new focus on electric cars, perhaps a prelude to a Formula E race in Adelaide, long rumoured and the electric racing series preference for a street race in Australia. The Adelaide Motorsport Festival from March 24 to 26 will be held on a shortened version of the Parkland's semi-street circuit. The course will be reduced to 1.7 kilometres within the Victoria Park precinct, creating a stadium atmosphere for spectators. More after this short break. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters, 
More info on RaceFuel's E85 and ELF Race 102 is available at racefuel.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. Welcome back. One of the stars of the Adelaide Motorsport Festival will be the unique Arrows AX3 Formula One three-seater. It was run in Europe in 2001 and 2002 to give two passengers the thrill of riding in an F1 racer at close to racing speed. They sat each side of the chassis, unlike the two-seater tandem McLaren and Minardi ride cars of the same era. Arrows was then run by Tom Walkinshaw's TWR organisation, and one of the lead engineers on the AX3 project was Australian Mike Henry. He worked for the Arrows F1 team and later joined the Holden Racing team, briefly running the factory V8 squad. Henry is now a leading race engineer with Sonic, as well as running his own design and fabrication business in Melbourne's Outer East. He remembers the Arrows three-seater as a serious F1 car. It was a full Formula One car. So it was the A20, the 1999 race car, that we basically turned into a stretch limo. So um, from in terms of its running uh, in its original format, it was a full race car. So it had standard engine, um, standard electronics, gearboxes, diff control, all the rest of the stuff that you would have or that we had on the A20. Uh, and all we did was chop it in half behind the, uh, the roll hoop and extend it by 500 mil and turned it into a limo. And, of course, it was unique in that there were other two-seater Formula One cars at the time. But this one, you know, had two sort of, you know, sidecar-style pods on each side. Looks pretty tight fit in there, but in any event, it must have been a pretty eye-opening ride for the passengers once you'd stuffed them in there. Indeed, yeah. So up until that point, there'd been a couple of two-seater cars made where the passengers sat behind the driver. And obviously, uh, I think McLaren did one originally that had a large carbon sort of roll hoop between the drivers and the passengers' heads so that the passenger couldn't really see a lot. So um, the idea at Arrows was that we wanted something that people could actually see where they were going. So uh, to put two passengers in, it sort of seemed to make more sense to us. It was um, it kept the balance you know, even, um, but allowed the passengers to actually see. So... Yes, as you can imagine, it was a very tight fit. So the passengers had to have their legs on top of each other. They couldn't have their legs side by side. And uh, they got shoehorned in there by the mechanics and strapped in. And once you were in, you you weren't coming out quickly, that's for sure. (laughs) There are plans for some lucky Adelaide Motorsport Festival spectators to win rides in the Arrows AX3. As Mike Henry explains, back in 2001, passengers had to prove that they were fit enough to endure the savage physical forces. Yeah, they did. It was something. Uh, insurance, as you can imagine, was, um, well, most of the insurance companies just laughed at us when we actually asked them about it initially. Um, and so when we finally did get something in place to be able to run the car, uh, the passengers had to go and have an ECG about a week before the event. Um and then bring that documentation and then the day before, I think it was the day before, they had to have another one or possibly even at the track on the day we had to do another one. Um, I can't remember exactly, but, uh, yeah, it was a, a very serious thing at the time that um, the insurance companies involved were, were all very scared of us doing it. So, um, yeah, we, we took every every precaution we possibly could to make sure it was as safe as, and, and yeah, as I said, including um, a full medical, including an ECG. 
And I also understand that it used to run with a, well, what do they call it? A dead man switch. <laughs> yes. Passengers yeah, who got story. a bit overwhelmed there. Um, was yeah. that ever used? It was. Uh, we had a um, uh, two switches in series. So there was a light we put on the dash for the driver and the passengers had to hold a dead man's grip in the back. And if they let it go, so if they, they went unconscious or anything like that, or they, they decided that they wanted to get out, they all they had to do was take their thumb off the button. Um, and then the light would come on on the dash and tell the driver to go to, back to the pits. Uh, but we did have one. We were running at Silverstone one day, and we'd, we'd run all day. We had 15 runs to do. Uh, in the days, uh, we used to do four time laps. So it was six circulations of the full uh, the full circuit. And the last run of the day were, were two girls and um, they were all very excited when they got in the car. So the, the boys had put them in. And one of the boys said to me from the run before that um, uh, that he'd felt some heat and we, we'd seen where uh, the passengers were getting in rubbing on the wire and it rubbed through the wire. So very, not very sensibly, but we took the view that probably we'll get through. So we didn't have the dead man switch for that particular run. And uh, one of the poor girls, as she drove out of pit lane, decided she didn't want to be in the car and um, let the switch go, but uh, wasn't working, obviously. So she got her full run and uh, more value for money than you can imagine. So when she got out, she was a bit crook. And, um, uh, yeah, she, was, uh, she threw up in the garage. <laughs> more than 20 years later, Henry is looking forward to seeing his pet project back in action. Yeah, absolutely. After Arrows went under in, uh, I think, the end of 2002, um, the cars were uh, bought uh, by uh, Minardi, uh, sorry, not Minardi, um, Ascari, uh, and they um, they ran them for a little while. So Ascari had a resort in Spain, a motorsport resort that they built in Spain. So uh, we went down there and ran the car a few times with them. Um, and that was the last time I, I ran the car. So it was, yeah, 2002. So I haven't seen it since. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see it go. It was, it was a wonderful project. As racing goes, you know, from as your listeners will get it, you know, there's always pressure in racing, and and we all love going car racing. But it's all about you know high end competition and making sure you win and all the rest of the things that go with it. Where we with the AX3, we had a car that you it was just for fun and and to put people in it. Um, we never had a complaint. You know, it was one of those things. Everybody that went in it just absolutely loved it. So, yeah, I can't wait to see it going again. It'll be great. Henry is a colourful character, and you'll hear more of his revelations about the Arrows F13 seater in Grant Rowley's Parked Up on Thursday. The Bathurst 12-hour early next month is shaping up as a classic confrontation. The overseas GT3 teams are back, along with strong local entries. The latest high-profile Aussie team is headed by Bathurst local hero Brad Schumacher, partnering with Supercars team Premier Racing to field his Audi R8 Evo. It's a powerful Pro-Am entry, with Schumacher to be joined by at least two Pro drivers. The combined effort will have major backing from German lubricants giant Fuchs, extending the company's involvement from supercars and drag racing. Now, there's speculation Premier Supercars drivers Tim Slade and James Golding are in the frame, along with Audi GT3 ace Kelvin van der Linde. Now, while staying stumm about his co-drivers, Schumacher is adamant his alliance with Premier higher owner Peter Giveris is aimed at nothing less 
than winning the Bathurst 12 hour. So I guess um, where this really comes from and, and I guess initially stems from is is the relationship uh, that, that Peter Shibris and I have had in the past. Um, initially, uh, we, we met through a uh, good mutual friend, Chad Parrish, and, uh, and um, then sort of bumped uh, into each other a few times back in the old techno days when Premier came in to assist uh, back then when Jonathan Webb owned that. And, of course, then he bought out the team. Um, but also uh, Peter and I, with our, our companies, uh, Premier Hire and, and Kelso Electrical, have uh, have worked together in events before. And so not only on a professional level, we've, we've, we've known each other, but then, uh, of course, we have the same interests in motorsports. So um, our relationship just continued on from there. And uh, as the team has evolved for him in V8 Supercars, he, he sees that uh, it's a good option for them to now branch into the GT3 world and, and in particular the Bathurst 12 hour that arguably is is uh, one of the largest GT3 races in the world now. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we got to talking and, um, of course, we, we, you know, both have a lot of respect for each other and, and uh, we both have the same passion and drive to succeed in anything that we do, whether it is business or it's the uh, the sport that we choose to, to compete in. And so... Um, effectively, it worked for Peter that uh, he could join with us and, um, you know, utilise, of course, our car, our experience in GT, our, our, our uh, infrastructure and our, our staff members. And uh, on the other hand, of course, it works for us to uh, have Peter supply, uh, you know, high-grade pro drivers to, to join us, uh, whether it be there or at test days or, or whatnot you have. And also people of the likes of, you know, Matt Cook as a team manager and then bringing really, really good guys like uh, Jeff Slater to the team. I mean, you know, Jeff's Jeff's uh, been uh, uh, won a Bathurst 12-hour in the past, also a Bathurst 1000, and I believe he's actually won a 24 hours of Daytona. So you really, you know, I can't say no to a guy like that being in our garage. And also... Um, Peter actually bought a uh, racing simulator off another company of mine, Ice in Motion Simulators, uh, and he, uh, yeah, really enjoyed that product. And so it was fantastic that, again, even through our relationship um, prior, that he was willing to trust me in purchasing, purchasing a simulator from me. And, uh, yeah, I guess that that trust has continued to grow and effectively come to the point where we can merge together. Schumacher says his pro co-drivers are still to be decided. Uh, yeah, look, the the, uh, the entry is a pro-am entry. Um, and look, there is there is no set driver lineup just yet. It is something that we are still uh, negotiating. We're, we're looking at our best options. Uh, we're not here to make up the numbers. We're here to genuinely uh, do our best at this race. And uh, I mean, like anybody, you shouldn't go into these type of events unless you're going there to win. So... Um, that's what I really like about Pete in particular is uh, he's he's really driven to to like he wants success in no matter what it is that he's doing he finds that it's uh, in my eyes a, a waste of time unless everything's being done to its highest potential and so uh, at this time we we're just uh, yeah discussing what our best options are for drivers and um, we'll look to announce something with that in the near future. And just to clarify this new partnership. With Premier Higher Racing, it's ongoing. It's long term, is it? 
Uh, it's one of those partnerships where, of course, uh, you know, we, we haven't worked together prior to this. And uh, look, we will go to do some testing before the Bathurst 12 hour. But uh, of course, like any relationship, we need to ensure that once we get there, that we're all working together and uh, that, that everything's working in harmony, let's say. So um, yeah, of course, the opportunity for us to continue to work into the future is 100% something that uh, we have spoken about, but it's one step at a time. And for now, our focus is the Bathurst 12 hour. Brad Schumacher is a Bathurst local hero, running a successful business, Kelso Electrical, and even living alongside the Mount Panorama circuit. His big Bathurst 12-hour effort is pretty impressive for a local Sparky made good. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Um, probably in particular too. I mean, for, for me, I only started racing uh, six years ago now, so... It's progressed pretty rapidly if you think of it like that. Uh, I just got to the point in my professional career where I was earning a few extra bucks and uh, I've always been an absolute motorsport lover and, of course, born and bred in Bathurst. So and I really, really do enjoy uh, everything about it here in Bathurst and in particular with Mount Panorama. So uh, I wanted to go from a spectator to the guy that people are watching and doing it. And so I got into go-karting and... Uh, realized quite quickly that you know it wasn't really tickling my fancy in you know, the go-kart scene and so moved on to uh yeah buying my first race car which was a Lotus Exige and started on doing hill climbs here actually at, at Mount Panorama and there was success there on a regular occasion and so made the decision to go into doing um circuit racing where I went into production sports racing for New South Wales and um, it progressed from production sports racing into Porsches and then from Porsches into Audis and then, of course, all the way up to the GT World Challenge Australia now. And I think this will now be my fourth time on the grid in the Bathurst 12 hours. So, um, yeah, for me, it's definitely a, a big leap to be teaming up with, with uh, yeah, a bad supercars team. It's something I'm really excited about. It's, um, of course, anybody's dream to, to be in this position and, in particular, I guess, as you said, just for a small-time electrician from Bathurst, uh, it's one of the things that I love about doing this so much is that I get so much local support here in Bathurst. There's not really anybody else doing um, what I'm doing in the GT route. I didn't choose to go down um, the V8 supercars um, route, so to speak. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm owning the GT thing and, and uh, yeah, doing it to the best of my ability. Of course, Schumacher has a very famous surname. Find out if he's even distantly related to Formula One legend Michael Schumacher in the full interview, which you'll hear in Parked Up on Thursday. More after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast is all in the name. It's all motorsport, focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, uh, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. The Castrol Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand starts this weekend at Highlands Park on the South Island. TRS is back after the pandemic as an international championship and with the return of overseas drivers. The Kiwi Junior Open Wheel summer season 
is a traditional breeding ground for future Formula One stars. An additional attraction of TRS this year is that a swag of FIA Super Licence points are on offer. Two Aussie young guns are in the field, Ryder Quinn and Tom McClellan. And according to former McLaren F1 staffer and New Zealand Driver Fund director Bob McMurray, Quinn and McClellan are among the contenders in a wide-open entry. It's looking remarkably much better than the last two years, folks, when um, our esteemed Prime Minister, who's popular all around the world, maybe not here, but all around the world, uh, decided to lock us down completely and refuse access to international motorsport drivers, although she did grant access to various DJs, one that was going to appear at her wedding and... uh, one uh, one that was going to do some sort of um, proud, popular thing down south, and of course rugby players, and of course basketballers, and of course many other sports, but not motorsport. Apparently, they are not wanted in this country. But yes, twenty twenty two sees or twenty twenty three, sorry, sees the first of the um, series startups since the since we stopped in twenty twenty. That was the last one. So it is looking good. We've got an international field, not as large as it was in the last couple of years of the um, of pre-lockdown TRS, but it's very, very encouraging generally. We have a couple of Aussies, young Aussies, contesting this year's series in Ryder Quinn and Tom McClellan. What are their chances? As, as good as anybody, because I don't really know. I, I, I know the names of uh, pretty much all the drivers coming here. The history of them, I don't really know. Many of them have been through Formula 4. Some of them have been through other series. A couple have been just from karting. So I would imagine Ryder, having driven the um, the FT50s here, is in as good a shape as anybody. I would imagine Tom McLennan has, he has, well, you'd know more about him than me. He's uh, has some experience in driving junior formula and in Porsche. So he's obviously used to racing. I would imagine he's got as good a chance or they have got as good a chance as anybody uh, because it is a fairly mixed up field. I think Um, we have, uh, we've got those two Australians. We have at least four Kiwi drivers. Uh, We've got three from USA, one from Brazil, one from Italy, one from Holland with another couple to come. I understand there's another guy from the UK coming here. And then we'll have another two or three come in for the Grand Prix. So we're looking at a field of 16 or so drivers, uh, which may balloon out to 17 or 18 or 19 for the Grand Prix, depending um, on all sorts of things, I guess. So it is it is looking pretty good. It's very encouraging. So are there any future F1 stars in TRS this year? McMurray says it's tough to tell. I've got to say, folks, that I am I'm not in the dark about them or I've read all about them, but the entire grid, including Chloe Chambers um, from the W Series and USA, they're all fairly, I would say, evenly matched. And I don't mean that in terms of um, their potential on the track, but what they have done and how they've got there and how they've done it. Um, there will always be... I would say um, some leaning towards Kiwi drivers like Callum Hedge, for instance, who has experience on the tracks. He's got experience driving the FT50 60s um, and, and the likes of um, uh, James Penrose, who is the 
is fully funded by Castrol. This is the Castrol car out there. You're going to see it. Um, it's going to be very easy. It's going to look very similar to a Castrol car in the uh, <laughs> the supercar series, driven by an ex-Toyota Racing Series driver, I might add. So I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you who's going to be top of the list when it comes to this because, you know, um, European and, and South American and American drivers – they sometimes, one of them or two of them, will grow another leg when it comes to motorsport here, and they will shine like crazy. Um, and then maybe not succeed so much in the in, in the rest of their career. Igor Fraga comes to, uh, comes to mind, who beat Liam Lawson to the championship. But Igor Fraga has kind of stalled in his, um, um, his career, whereas Liam Lawson is on the verge, we should say, perhaps, I don't know, of driving a Formula One car, um, maybe, maybe permanently. I, I've no idea. But, you know, as of now, we've had um, 21 drivers go through the Toyota Racing Series to F1. Um, at the beginning of the 2022 series, there were six drivers, six drivers from or through the Toyota Racing Series that were on the grid of Formula One. Now that uh, quickly went to five when there was a, a slight Russian problem with Mr. Mazepin. But nonetheless, you know, the likes of Stroll, Sunoda, Norris, Latifi, Guang Yuzhou, uh, they all came through um, the Toyota Racing Series. And if you go down to Formula 2 and Formula 3, we had, um, I think it's 18 or 19 drivers last year in the Formula 2 or Formula 3 grids. So who's going to come out of this uh, looking good? I, I Honestly, I'm not sure I could tell you because it depends how they adapt uh, from their circuits that they're used to driving on to the you know the the, lo the lovely tracks of Highlands Park and um, and Hampton Downs to the somewhat less lovely Teratonga uh, and, uh, and and maybe even Taupo slightly different and then we go to Manfield all different circuits it's going to be a case of adaption rather than outright speed but um as has, as has happened before with the champions like Stroll and Norris, etc., cream generally rises to the top, and um, hopefully that will happen again. Two years ago, supercars superstar Shane Van Gisbergen won the NZ Grand Prix from the pit lane. Will SVG make a cameo appearance in the Grand Prix at Hampton Downs next month? As of this moment, um, and I... I don't really have any real knowledge of it because whatever is may or may not be happening is happening between SVG and uh, whoever might be backing him. But I don't think so. I don't think he'll be back. I think he's got other things to do now. Um, he That was a special circumstance when uh, it was the Grand Prix was populated by Kiwi drivers alone. Um, Tony Quinn came up with, uh, with quite a lot of encouragement to, to various drivers. The Kiwi Driver Fund, of which I'm a trustee and chairman of the trustees, was managed to come up with quite a lot of funding for Kiwi drivers. So it was a very special one-off. I don't think you will see Shane at the Grand Prix. I'm not saying he won't be, but I don't think you'll see him at the Grand Prix. Um, anything other than perhaps a spectator, I don't think he'll be driving. Bob McMurray also has strong thoughts about the future of supercars in New Zealand, and you'll hear that in the full interview I'm parked up on Thursday. Gen 3 is going right down to the wire as teams rush to build all new cars for the season opening Newcastle 500 from March 10 to 12. 
there are more delays. The start of testing has been moved back again to January 30 at Queensland Raceway for the Queensland-based teams and February 1 at Winton for the Southern squads. Further test days are at Winton on February 7 and QR on February 9 with a final pre-season all-in trial at Sydney Motorsport Park on February 20. More concerning is that production of some key Gen 3 control parts is still being organised and at a high cost. For example, we're told Supercars is scrambling to get oil tanks made. Rush production means they'll cost up to $6,000 each, as much as four times the normal rate. Now, Gen 3 will be ready for racing at Newcastle, but it'll be a close-run thing and costly. And just a note that it appears the Formula One Australian Grand Prix at Albert Park in April will revert to its almost traditional starting time. It's listed as 3pm, presumably because the April 2 race coincides with the end of daylight savings. With fading light in the late afternoon, the start's been moved forward to just an hour later than what used to be the standard 2pm local time beginning of a Grand Prix. For several years, the AGP in March during daylight savings started as late as 5pm to be shown at more viewer-friendly times in Europe and Asia. Finally, sadly, 2023 has got off to a bad start with the death of two high-profile competitors. It is with great regret that we offer condolences to the families and friends of global superstar Ken Block and Australian drag racing personality Sam Fennick. Block died in a snowmobile accident and Fennick perished in a fearsome crash in his new Chevrolet racing door slammer. Ken Block was an accomplished late-life rally driver who was better known to tens of millions around the world as the Hoonigan. Block popularised precision stunt driving with his amazing Gymkhana videos. Fennec was a popular local drag racer, debuting his new Camaro door slammer when it went tragically wrong at the New Year Nitro meet at Willowbank. Both will be sorely missed. And on that sad note, that's it for now. Back next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, Parked Up with Grant Rowley returns on Thursday, featuring those full interviews with Brad Schumacher, Mike Henry and Bob McMurray. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 